welcome to the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. I am joined by, yet again, he is out of retirement. I think last time he was here, he was the Ben Roethlisberger of the podcast. That's right. On twice. Ben Roethlisberger is retired, so I can't quite say that. I'm going to go, uh, we'll, we'll stick with the NFC North because that's what we're doing today. This is the Brett Favre coming out of retirement uh, uh, guest. It's Josh Limesand. Josh is the host of the, the Bad Fantasy Advice podcast. He is a contributing writer for the Daily Skull. He is also a fantasy football blogger, which he does. You can find his work there at hunchfantasy.wordpress.com. Uh, he's all over the place. JLime8 is his Twitter handle. Go there and follow him for, for some fun fantasy takes. Uh, Josh, what is up, my man? So glad you're back. Oh, not a whole lot, but it's just, I'm just waiting for football season, eagerly awaiting football season. And so finding ways to occupy my time without football by finding ways to talk about football. So, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> right. but it's, it's great to be back on the pod, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. Dude, absolutely. I, I, we're, we're getting really, we're getting so close, Josh. We're getting so close. <laughs> we're continuing the series of our divisional breakdowns of, of every team's off season. So today we're doing the NFC North. Josh knows everything in and out about the NFC North. Like I said, he's, he writes for the Daily Skull. He's a Vikings fan by trade. He covered the Bears last year. Uh, so if you listen to this podcast, you know, I write for a site called fansportsindustries.com. That site used to be, many iterations ago, Championship Sports Media. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh was a part of that. He was on the Steelers beat with me. He was on the Bears beat as well. Don't know how he did all that, but he did. Probably because he checked out halfway through the bear season because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the bears and how miserable that is. But uh, yep. you, this guy's going to know everything. So I'm really excited to do this. I haven't done a divisional breakdown in a few weeks uh, just because it was the dead part of the, the football season. So really mm-hmm. not too much. But we're I mean, dude, it's August 10th. As we record this, we have a full slate of preseason games coming up in like three or four days. Um Football's back, man. We're here. We finally made it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's dive right in. We're, we're going to start with the Minnesota Vikings here at the top. Uh, and if you listened to these before, we're going to follow a very similar breakdown. So we're going to start with where did we leave off in 2021? Uh, so the Vikings went eight and nine. They missed the playoffs, started out one and four, and then they worked their way back to like a 500 record through the rest of the season. Uh, Justin Jefferson was continuing to rise. Uh, you'll have some takes, I'm sure, very soon about him in fantasy football um, coming up because he's a guy that's going to be right up there uh, with the very tops in the league. Uh, oh, yeah. Kirk Cousins was Kirk Cousins. He got another like $200 million one-year contract this <laughs> offseason. Uh, Dalvin was great when he was healthy, but he was hurt for mm-hmm. a few games. So it was a very run-of-the-mill Viking season. Yep. Uh, unfortunately for the Vikings, that led to Mike Zimmer finally being relieved of his duties. They bring in their new head coach, maybe a little more offensive focus. I know how much you love the offensive-minded versus defensive-minded head coaches. Um, just mm-hmm. wrap it all up in a bow for me. How did you view the Vikings for the season last year? So I went back and looked at their 8-9 and nine record because I know we had a lot of close games, and I know this is going to sound extremely biased because I'm a Vikings fan, a diehard fan, and I think every year is Super Bowl year, even though it doesn't happen ever. So it hasn't happened in my lifetime, and yet I still think it's going to happen every year. But, but I looked at their 8-9 and nine record, and two of their losses were an OT. So they lost, they were 1-2 and two in, in three overtime games. And then six of their nine losses were by one possession. And then their ninth loss was a Sean Mannion-led 
um, attack into Lambeau Field uh, late in the season. So, I mean, no offense to Sean Mannion, but he's never really been a starter, right? So, where do you want to hear on the offensive side of the ball? Exactly. And when you go to Lambeau, you don't want to bring your second string quarterback. I don't care what, I don't care who your second string is. You don't want to roll into Lambeau with that. And so, when you look back at that, I mean, we lost to Arizona on a missed uh, because we had a missed extra point early in the game. Like, and I know every team could find little things like this, but I think my point is eight and nine doesn't seem exciting. Um, and obviously we didn't make the playoffs, so that's not very good. But I don't think I've never thought this team is that far off. And I think sometimes when you look at if if you're like a casual fan that you're only looking to pockets of national media here and there, Minnesota's kind of flyover country sometimes. And so it may not seem like we're a threat, but I th- I think that I think that eight and nine was a little bit misleading last year. And uh, you know, you know, we I mean we have to own the fact that we still made a lot of mistakes and we gave up some leads and we lost to the lions because we just let them score a touchdown. I've, I can't still can't believe that game, but, <laughs> but anyway, when I look at the nine losses and I know that uh, eight of them are OT slash one possession losses, like to me, that's a team that's right there. That's competing. And I would say that about any team that had that breakdown, if I were to go through and see. So I, um, again, I've mentioned to you, I'm an eternal optimist, but I feel like we have some pieces from last year. Um, and I think we did some of the right things in the offseason where I think that we can build on last year. And um, and so it was a huge disappointment. Don't get me wrong. But um, I don't think it was as bad as it looked at times, I guess. That would be my, my final take in a nutshell. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I remember early in the season when they talked about all the close games and yet the first two losses came by a combined four points. And then exactly. third loss was a, was one touchdown. Like you said, so many of them were one possession games. Even if you took half of those games, and made them wins, right? One extra touchdown here, one extra first down, one extra field goal. It's a very, very different season. And I think why people are pretty optimistic on the Vikings, the Vikings are kind of the trendy NFC pick right now that that some teams are making in terms of being a surprise playoff team. You mentioned right. some of the roster moves of the offseason. Let's get into that now. Let's do our ins and outs. Okay. So this is pre-draft. This is just kind of free agency time. We'll do a little bit of the signings, but gone are safety, Xavier Woods, tight end Tyler Conklin, Linebackers Anthony Barr and Nick Vigil, uh, cornerback Mackenzie Alexander, defensive lineman Sheldon Richardson, edge rusher Everson Griffin, were a name than a player last year, but still. Um, right. But in linebacker Jordan Hicks, offensive lineman Jesse Davis, you knew I was going to sneak that in there. Edge rusher is Darius Smith, and, and cornerback Chandler mm-hmm. Sullivan. Um, from just a free agency standpoint, those names. How did you view those moves? Obviously, there's there's more guys going out and a lot of big names in terms of going out, but coming into some pretty decent players, what did you think about those, those moves uh, there for the Vikings? Um, I'm not going to, this isn't going to be a hot take. I love the Zadaria Smith pickup. I, do too. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a Vikings fan you could find anywhere that would say, oh, I don't think that was, no. Zadaria Smith is great. His first press conference, you just watched him and you're like, Oh, this, this dude's great. He's a great guy. And he's a monster pass rusher. So um, we, you know, we missed out on the Daniil Hunter last year that we've been paid, that we've paid for, that we've wanted to see. Um, and I think if we can, if we can get Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith to stay healthy, um, I mean, that just, that, that makes your defense so much better if you have a consistent pass rush. And so I really love the Darius Smith pickup. Um, you mentioned Jesse Davis, he threw in the offensive lineman and I knew you would. And I also like Jesse Davis. I looked up um, I did a, one of my first articles at the Daily School was about kind of the offensive line predictions and, and whatnot. And what I talked about was how important consistency is. Um, and we've 
you know, you and I have talked about offensive line consistency, consistency in the past. And, you know, I'm not saying Jesse Davis is the best offensive lineman in the league, but he played 16 of 17 games last year for the Dolphins. Um, so he's coming off a, uh, you know, he was a solid starter all or he, he played, he was consistently on the field, which was huge. Um, Christian Darius, rookie year last year when he was on the field was great. It was only 13 of 17 games, but th those four missed games were all at the beginning of the year. And then he was on the field. Um, Brian O'Neill at right tackle is he played in all, all hundred percent of the offensive snaps last year for the Vikings at right tackle. So we have this consistency at the tackle position. We brought in Jesse Davis, who we know can stay on the field. Like I, to, it's, you know, you, you and I, both know that offensive line is way more important, even though it's not as sexy as some of the other positions. And so I, I, I actually really love that pickup. I didn't even, I'll be honest. I didn't know the guy's name. I don't follow the dolphins at all. Um, but I just like to see O-line next to a player. And then when I looked into him a little bit more, I was like, okay, at least he's on the field. At least he's proven he's, he's got starts under his belt. He's got experience under his belt. Um, and that's huge. Um, in terms of the players we lost, um, I'm not, I'm not going to miss a ton of them per se, like Xavier Woods, I thought had some moments last year. Tyler Conklin was huge for us last year, but only because Irv Smith Jr. was out with an injury again. And assuming Irv Smith can stay healthy, I don't, from a pass catching standpoint, um, I don't think we're going to miss anything from that Tyler Conklin provided. Um, if, if there's any discrepancy, it's going to be in pass blocking because, or in run blocking and well, just blocking in general, because Conklin was good at all of that. He was a very good all around tight end. Um, so he, I think I would say he could be subtly like a player that we're going to be like, oh, I, yeah, I kind of wish we had Conklin around still, you know, especially in two tight end sets and things like that. Um, but from a, like a receiving pr uh, production angle, I don't think we're going to miss him too much. Um, Mackenzie Alexander was always sketchy when he was on our team. <laughs> and then we brought him in last year because he has a report. He had a rapport with Mike Zimmer. So I'm not super um, annoyed that he's gone. And then the obviously Anthony Barr is the big name. And he's an interesting one because I used to think like a lot of Vikings fans that he never really lived up to the draft hype. Cause I think he was an eighth overall pick if I'm not mistaken, uh, or at least top 15 the year we drafted him. Nine. Um, you were very close. Mm -hmm. he, what pick was he? Nine. Oh, nine. Okay. Yeah. So nice. he was, yeah. When he, when we drafted him, we were expecting big things and he had some big moments. And then there were times when he would disappear but Mike Zimmer would always come out and say, like, he does a lot of the little things that you don't notice that even people that watch a game intensely aren't going to really pick up on from a leadership standpoint. So I think we will feel the effects of Anthony Barr not being there, um, someone who's been there for a while. Um, so that is a bummer. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, I guess, because it's just part of the business. But if I had to pick one of those guys, I would say, Anthony Barr is obviously the one that I'm going to feel most nervous that he's not on the field um, just because, you know, because Eric Hendricks is my favorite Vikings player, uh, the other linebacker. And I loved seeing those two guys on the field every day. Cause you know, you know that they know what they're doing, um, you know, and, and the big, and the big plays weren't always there, but I don't know. So, so anyway, so yeah, when we look at the off season, I, from a free agency before the draft, um, I think they did a pretty good job overall. Um, I think the Zadarius Smith move was huge. Um, and I don't think that can be understated because as long as if it was with him and Daniel Hunter, I mean, who are you going to double team, right? Who are you going to send two of your old linemen at? You can always have to, your tight ends, your opposing tight ends are always going to have to to, ch to chump down before they go on their route. You're going to have to throw running backs up there. I just think that 
they create so much havoc, havoc for, for an offense to plan for. So I'm really excited for that. Um, you know, I've tempered expectations, I guess, because Daniel Hunter has been hurt all the time. And, you know, are we going to get his, you know, top level the whole year or are we only going to get it for six games? Like that's, that's what I'm a little worried about, but, but Zedarius Smith will help on the, on the outside. So, so yeah, I, th- I think we did, we did enough. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to tell. We didn't do anything too splashy, but Zedarius Smith was a surprise. I would say that's probably, it's relatively splashy for us, I guess. <laughs> Especially because then he, signed with the Ravens at first and then he didn't pass their physical or he changed his mind or something like that. And then he ended up going to Minnesota. I think whenever that sort of thing happens, uh, I think that even adds to like the drama and the hype around it. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just saying that as, as a Steeler fan and you're saying it as a Vikings fan, cause it's like, yeah. Hey, cool. He didn't go to the Ravens and he went to the Vikings. So like, yeah, yeah, we're great. We're having a good time. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I, I forgot about that, but yeah, that was, Another thing that endeared him to us, but I'm sure Ravens fans don't like him anymore. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't. But, we, but, don't we don't care about that. Yeah, we don't care about that. We don't. Need, <laughs> we don't need. We don't need the Ravens. They're, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> uh, you know. So yeah, a lot. A lot in the. A lot in the trenches. It felt like. I mean, adding Jordan Hicks, mm-hmm. who has had over 100 tackles for each of the last three seasons. Um, Jesse Davis is kind of that. That last piece on the offensive line. Uh, Four, the four starters from last year should be coming back. Jesse Davis is just going to slide into that guard spot. Um, you add Zedarius Smith. It, it feels like they they just kind of wanted to add some depth there, and that's what they hit in the in the free agency period. Then in the draft, they obviously uh, hit defensive backs early, and that was something you and I had talked about mm-hmm. them potentially doing before the draft happened. But let's take this opportunity now, move into the draft. So what did they do? I gave them a B overall. Mm-hmm. Um, in my in my uh, draft grades, which you could still see on uh, fansportsindustries.com. But they hit defensive backs hard, and, that, and I love that, seeing that for them, especially with the moves they made up front uh, in free agency. So Lewis Seen, the safety out of Georgia, super athletic, uh, really hard-hitting, really aggressive. Um, a guy that, <laughs> you know, you talk about Xavier Woods, yeah, on the way out, and played, I think, like 100% of the snaps almost mm-hmm. for the defense yeah. last year. Lewis Seen, uh is going to be in there for a lot of the snaps. I don't know yep. schematically if they're going to do the exact same things. You can kind of hit on that a bit, but he, he's going to be there and, and he's going to have an NFL ready skill. Andrew Booth Jr. is yep. a guy that if he wasn't hurt and wasn't even hurt during the draft process, he could have been a top 15 pick. This guy has all the tools you want from a cornerback. He can play zone. Mm-hmm. He can play man. He's long. He's physical. He can play the ball. He has everything. That guy has cornerback one written all over him. He got him in the second round. Uh, Akaleb Evans, uh, a fourth-round pick. Again, very long, uh, good play on the ball, more of a zone coverage guy than man coverage, but still that length, that ball skills, you love to see. Um, and then what are the moves? I mean, Jalen Naylor, I'm jumping down to the sixth round. I don't know if he's going to make the team, but he's a decent deep threat at yep. Michigan State. Uh, Ed Ingram is another offensive lineman. Maybe if Jesse Davis uh, isn't quite as good as they thought Ed Ingram's a guy that maybe next year could be a starting offensive lineman in this league. Uh, and then the third round, yeah. Brian Asamoa, the linebacker out of Oklahoma. Think Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, a little bit of an undersized linebacker, looks more like a safety, but but is super athletic, uh, a real pass coverage kind of linebacker. He's a guy that I think figures to be in as, as like a nickel defender, maybe dime defender, but passing downs kind of yeah. deal. Um Good draft. I mean, uh, you, you mm-hmm. can speak a little to uh, 
was the defensive backs their focus? Did it need to be their focus? What did you think? Um, because the run defense, I, I didn't mention this at the top, was really the only thing they were below average in last year. Everything, you know, if you look at your traditional stats and your advanced stats, they were pretty much average in everything, but it was yep. really just run defense they were a little lacking in. So it seems they focused on that in free agency, but did you think they would still do something defensive line in the draft, or, or did you like the way they went hitting defensive backs hard? Um, I like that they hit defensive backs hard. Um, I think if they hadn't gotten Zadarius Smith, I would have liked to see some some more edge rushers. Um, but it, it's it's funny you mentioned, uh, or not funny, but it's I I've had the same thoughts that you did about Brian Asamoah. Like he his it seems like one of those guys are the only knock is oh, is he big enough to play in the NFL? And I think that you know playing alongside the experience of Eric Hendricks and right behind Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith, like I he just he's I th- I think he'll be. I think he'll be a nice complimentary piece this year. And then I, I don't know if he's destined to be a starting linebacker forever, but I, I have to, he looks like a guy that's ready to contribute um, pretty regularly. Same with Lewis scene. Um, and you get, you gave them a B. I think that's fair. I think it, uh, we mentioned, we talked a little bit when it happened. I think we overpaid um, to, to, or, or do we overpaid to back out of that top pick so that Detroit move up to get Detroit moved up to the Jameson Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we could have gotten more value out of that. If Detroit was desperate to get up to that spot, um, I think we we only got we only traded back in the first round and added like one other pick, I believe. I should I, yeah, I forgot to look that. Up. It wasn't much. I bet I could find it. Yeah. Um, but I I just after that I was like, you know I I I don't mind moving back. I don't like getting some some better value if the guy you like you can get later. I just feel like we we didn't get enough value from that. So I think that lowers the graph the draft grade a little bit, but Lewis, Lewis scene, I'm very excited to see play. And I think um, alongside Harrison Smith, again, I, I just, I think he's going to contribute right away. And I think I, I like that, you know, cause Harrison Smith's one of those guys where we, we had to, and it wasn't a super dramatic moment, but we gave him another contract and it was kind of at the point where, you know, he wants to finish his career here. He's in the twilight of his career, you know, and, and you have to start thinking about the future. And so what better way to complement the experience, but maybe a little bit of a, you know, maybe he's trailing off athletically to an extent. I don't know. I, he doesn't look like he's lost a step to me, but maybe, maybe he has. And so what a perfect contrast there to throw in, to, to throw in a guy like Lewisine, who's literally all over the field all the time. Um, and then um, the, the cornerback depth um, is really important to me because we had, we have a player like, have you heard, you know, who Cam Dantzler is, right? I'm sure you've heard his name before. He's been so hot and cold every time I've seen him. He's made some plays. And I'm like, okay, this guy across from Patrick Peterson, he's a stud. And then he makes plays when I'm like, reminding me of why we don't have Bashad Breeland anymore, for example. Like, like, I don't, so I don't know where Dantzler's at in his development. And last year was his second year. So he's theoretically at the point where he should be taking that next step. And so I like bringing more guys into the room to, to, um, uh, to kind of challenge for that position and, and to and to maybe earn some extra time. Um, Andrew Booth, like you said, is a first round talent that we got way after that, you know. And so I I love any time that happens. I didn't see a ton of his film to be honest, so I'm not going to talk a lot about him in terms of his on on field play ability. But everything I've read about him would echo what you said. Like he's theoretically he should have gone way earlier. The fact that we got him and we did was really good. And then um, Caleb Evans is 
a guy I actually looked at for the Bears when I was doing some mock draft work for the Bears. And I was like, so I, when I saw we grabbed you, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I like that. Because um, you were appropriately the- looking at defensive backs in the fourth round, not the first yes, round. Yes, exactly. Into the Bears later. Exactly. It's a whole thing. And I, I remember really liking, I actually watched, Caleb Evans probably the one I watched the most film on when I did my mock. So I liked, I, cause he was a transfer from, mm-hmm. I think he ended up at Missouri, but he transferred mm-hmm. from a smaller school. So I was curious to see what, what that looked like. Um, but yeah, like you said, he has the length. He was always step in step with the receiver. I really like that. Um, he's, he seemed to me, and again, I'm not a scout, I'm not a professional scout, but he seemed too handsy to me. Um, so I can picture like, I don't think he should be on the field in the fourth quarter this year right i don't want him getting a a holding penalty or a pi call just because he's new to the league and he's he's really i love that physicality but i think it's tough for defensive backs in this nfl this modern nfl to balance physicality with not getting flagged all the time because even my guy xavier rhodes used to get flagged you know once or twice a game and it didn't matter because he went in his prime he was he was Rhodes Clothes, his nickname, right? He didn't uh-huh. let anybody catch on him. But he was always getting a penalty or two here and there because he was really physical. So you have to find a way to, to balance that out a little bit. I think Caleb Evans will take some time to do that. But in terms of having the physical tools, for sure, um, I think he's in good shape. Um, and then I think the last thing you mentioned was the the run D was, was very suspect last year. And I would agree mm-hmm. with that for sure. And I think, I, I feel like, the additions we made, if I keep it brief, would be, I think everything is going up. But again, I don't know. I'm just the eternal opt- optimist in that regard. But I just think that the defensive line makes such a big difference. And then I think that um, Lewis Seen will, will have an impact in the run game um, as a rookie. Um, someone that can, I mean, every highlight I've watched of him, he's, he's to another spot in like, in a, in a, ridiculous amount of time like and he has he's got the motor that never stops and that's what I love in defensive players so um so I I think it's all good from this standpoint um I guess I guess going into this year so I, I think um and I and cornerback is one of those depth positions too so when we talk about Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth two two, two of our you know relatively high draft picks and they're pro- may not get starts because we have Dan so we got Patrick Peterson back on another year like um, that depth is going to be huge, I think. So, so I, I like that side of it. it the, the Vikings, for so long, it was about the defense. It was about the defense. And slowly, slowly, the offense mm-hmm. became pretty proficient. And then you added Justin Jefferson, and now it's prolific. And, and But then we're seeing the defense between getting a little bit older, between yeah. Mike Zimmer, you know, in his, uh, I don't even know how many years he was the head coach at that point. But by the end yeah. of it, you know, that defensive intensity that I brought early on, uh, we know how this goes. Eventually, it weighs on guys. It falls on deaf ears. Yeah. The guys that were the leaders in the locker room either are, have left or they're they're not listening as much or because the coach yeah. is on his way out, those guys are on their way out again. Anthony Barr is yeah. gone at the same time Mike Zimmer's gone. Uh, it, it just felt like, okay, something new had to come in. So, yeah, to bring in uh, yeah. Zadarius Smith, to bring in Lewis Seen, to bring in some youth, some new faces – could revitalize that defense all that to say you're the eternal optimist you like what they did um expectations for 22 23 doesn't necessarily have to be a a record prediction although now we're a couple weeks out i was making that stipulation back in like 
April, so maybe I do need to make you have a record prediction. But uh, just uh, better, worse, the same as last year. What What do you think? Um, better, and I will say I just posted on a Facebook group. My the question was, where are the Vikings? What's the Vikings record? And I put fourteen and three, and that's um, oh my gosh, way too lofty, probably. <laughs> I'm self-aware enough to know that that's a very lofty goal. But when I look at the division, for example, yeah. um, we'll get into this with the other teams, but I think it's wide open. I think we historically do well. Like last year, we swept the Bears. Um, we split with the Lions, but we should have won both. Um, and we split with the Packers. And I think those are six games where we could easily be going five and one um, at, right off right off that and then and then the, who knows the rest of the year i just i feel like with this with the new offense with the new coaching staff the new uh, more prolific offense i yeah i think that there's a rejuvenation there that i think that i think will account for some wins but again that's i i will fully admit that that's quite a lofty goal but i just want to say it out loud so that when the vikings do finish 14 it's <laughs> on the record i can circle back and be like see i called it it's on the record when they're yeah when they have they, 13 they, wins we're going to have you on, and then we're going to completely bash you when they don't get to 14. That's what we're <laughs> going to do. But you know what? They're playing – this division's playing the NFC East and the AFC East mm-hmm. this year. So you've got the Jets. You've got the Commanders. I mean, yep. the Cowboys. You've got the Dolphins. Yep. You've got the – I mean, even the Cardinals are in there. I think the Cardinals are due for some slippage. Yep. Um, it's, uh, it might actually be the craziest thing I've heard in a little while, but it's not that <laughs> crazy. Um, fourteen three is a lot. Yeah, if they go um, if they go six and eleven, if they go six and eleven, I just won't. I won't want to really talk to you for a while. I'll check back in. I'll, I'll go back year. in and erase this part. Don't worry. I'll just I'll just erase this whole section. It'll be fine. I can do that. No Fair problem. Enough. <laughs> All right. So that was a super fun conversation about the the Vikings. We're gonna have a less fun conversation about the Bears. It might be fun for you. I don't know, but I'm I'm burned up over the Bears. I'm actually. You know, as a Vikings fan, I shouldn't feel bad for the Bears, but I actually, actually, I don't feel bad for the Bears. I'll tell you what, I feel bad for Justin Fields, and I yes. think we're gonna get, we're gonna get into um, a number of reasons why we both yes. feel bad for them. So, but yes, I do have sympathy sympathy for Bears fans and <laughs> yeah, and yeah. The, and the Bears faithful and everything involved. You so. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. It, yeah, that's a better way to say it. it's not. Uh, I don't feel bad for the Bears. Justin Fields. This guy should be sitting pretty up in New York with, with all the good stuff they've done in the last year and a half. Um, yep. And so many teams made so many mistakes. And uh, here we are. He's in Chicago. Again, I'm going to just make the proclamation. Chicago, uh, you know, he's already on year two of his rookie deal. If, if you want a rookie court, if you want to start over, can you pick it for Justin Fields straight up? I'm open to it. I'll throw in a seventh rounder. From the <laughs> there, um, there you go. Where did we leave off in 21-22? Uh, I just wrote embarrassing. That was my next word here. 6-11, yeah. but it looked a lot worse than that. Um, yep. <clears throat> the Bears let Andy Dalton and Nick Foles start seven games last year of the season. That's that's horrific. Uh, they had Justin Fields in the games he played running around for his life with no support, no offensive line. I mean, they pulled their left tackle off of a fishing boat in, in <laughs> August last year, I think, right? He, like – Something like that. Yeah. It was like the first preseason game, and, and the announcers were talking about how Jason Peters just got signed to a contract. Uh, just super embarrassing. Um, yeah. Obviously, Nagy was fired at the end of the year. I, yeah. I remember thinking when they drafted Fields, when they traded up to draft him, man, they're turning things around. They, they saw the <laughs> the passivity that they had in the Trubisky era, and now they yep. go for it. Here they are. And, and I was immediately 
uh, just like led astray, right? And it was just, yep. it was a terrible season. Um, through all that, we got glimpses of brilliance from Fields. I think his, one of his best games was, of course, against the Steelers. Um, but they're, everything's just kind of getting worse around them there. So you covered this yep. team last year. Mm-hmm. What uh, To put it as nicely as I can, what was your interpretation of the season? How did you think uh, last year went? Yeah, so there were moments where I saw Justin Fields mature on the spot, and you could almost see that the game was slowing down for him um, because a lot of the rest of it was really, really bad. Um, and it was, it was, you know, it was like watching, you know, you, you, you haven't had to deal with this as much having a quarterback in winning seasons for almost 20 straight years in, in Pittsburgh, but some other teams have had to deal with periodically an offense that you see them go on the field and you can't envision a, you know, even a first down, like th- there are stretches, there were stretches of times where, you know, the bears defense would, ho- would hold a stop or it'd be fine. And then the offense would get like, they're not going to, they're not going to get anywhere. They're not going to do anything. And it's a really big bummer because, you know, and fields was hurt at times. And so I think that's, you know, and, and Nagy was probably coaching for his job. So I think there were probably times where he, he left those other guys in thinking maybe they could squeak out a win, you know, with like, with a, with a veteran that wasn't going to make the mistakes, but, but yeah, it was, it was a six and 11. It wasn't a good six and 11. Um, but the bright spot was, I don't, I mean, there would be some hardcore bear fans that I interact with online that I know that they would already, they would have already written off fields by now. Sure. I don't think that's rational. I think that if you really look at fields last year, even though his stats were really, really bad, you see the promise and potential of a guy you trade up to get in the draft, which they did. And so the, the big bummer, uh, like we talked about is they, they gave up a lot of draft capital to get him. And so they weren't active enough in free agency. Their draft we'll talk about in a second. wasn't good or on paper. It wasn't good. Maybe they, maybe they hit home runs with all the, with the handful of picks that they did have, but they just don't seem to be putting the effort forth for Justin Fields. And, and, you know, for a guy you traded up for after you traded up for Trubisky, like you're, 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 you're not supposed to be rebuilding anymore. You're supposed to be building around. Or, I mean, that's kind of the same as rebuilding, but you, you get my point, right? You should be right, right, yep. taking steps every year um, to build around your guy and not standing pat, which is kind of in some ways what they did. Um, they still have some nice pieces and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but, but from watching last year, I'm still excited about Justin Fields' NFL potential. I'm a huge Darnell Mooney fan, um, you know. But but outside of that, it was pretty ugly. And and you can't even like look at their defense as their calling card because you know, it's it wasn't it wasn't a typical Bears defense. And it's it sh- I don't think if anything, it should probably have gotten worse going into this year. <laughs> to be completely honest, so it's going to be hard to it's hard to be hopeful for a Bears fan. I mean, sometimes you know, when everyone piles on, like we're doing right now, every, like maybe they'll surprise us with some random thing, but all signs point to the bears going like, you know, six and 11 again, if they're lucky, you know, but <laughs> that's the best case scenario. Yeah. You said a bit, I mean, at this point you have the, the, what we believe is the franchise quarterback. You should be building now. They're still in the tear down process, which is really scary. I mean, yes. this team had, some nice veteran players who you would say okay at this point the the franchise quarterback is a franchise quarterback is rookie or second year so it's not this hey wait a couple years and see what happens no if you have guys in their late 20s and early 30s they should still be on this team contributing to this guy now um but they're yeah just continuing to let player good players walk and 
not really bring in any other. So let's go through some of the outs and the ins. So gone, uh, I'll say his name right off the bat. Offensive lineman James Daniels, uh, obviously Jason Peters is also gone. Wide receivers Allen Robinson and Demir Bird. Uh, what? think was he anyways what I won't even say that uh safety to Sean Gibson defensive lineman uh Bilal Nichols and Akeem Hicks linebackers Khalil Mack and Alec Ogletree and now linebacker Roquan Smith wants a trade um that just happened the other day yep. uh the guy so those are those are big names I mean you you mentioned it and we said a little bit on the Vikings these are the names that have been there creating some good yeah. stuff over the last couple of years here's who they brought in Offensive lineman Lucas Patrick and Michael Schofield and, and Riley Reef, who was a, a recent addition. Um, edge rusher Al Kadeem Muhammad, mm-hmm. tight end Ryan Griffin, cornerback Tavon Young, wide receivers Nikhil Harry and Byron Pringle. I mean, the guys I'm saying are just like de- pretty depressing. I mean, nice. Lucas Patrick was maybe the fifth best offensive lineman on the Packers last year at guard, and the Bears yep. are going to, or that was like their guy. They're, uh, he said when he got there, oh, no, I was told I'm this on the center. So it's not like, hey, bring in the guy and see what it looks like. Yeah. Uh, they, they brought him in to be the center. They also re-signed Sam Lucifer, who was their center last year and was bad and are going to be moving mm-hmm. him to guard. Um, really, really tough. But they lose their the, – even though I mentioned Jace Peters was on a fishing boat, he was still their second-best offensive lineman last year. Yep. They lose their best two offensive linemen. Um, yep. Now potentially they're, they're – best two if not three linebackers from last season um and, and you know just the, the names that are on there similar to the vikings so the names that have been there for a while not similarly to the vikings they're not really bringing anybody in what's right. going on here and we started this conversation a little bit but can they afford to keep tearing down like this uh and trying to rebuild around fields or is, like is this done is, is fields in chicago like kind of already toast I don't. It's hard. It's hard not to think that, and I don't. I want to be be de, you know, full on depressing mode. But it's it's kind of looking that way. Um, I don't remember. Do you remember what they got in the Khalil Mack trade? Not much. I can I, look it up. Yeah, I can't because because at the time I was like, well, trade him while you have value is fine. But I don't. I don't remember them getting such a haul that I feel good about that. They got um, a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 sixth round pick. So that yes. 2022 second round pick was the 48th overall pick. And that was when they took one of those defensive backs. I forget which yeah. one was, was with it, that pick. That was Jaquan Brisker. Brisker, yeah. The okay. second pick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, that, and that's, and I, I didn't remember that specifically, but I was like, I don't remember them getting the haul that they should have gotten for a Khalil Mack. And so that bothered me but then even then I was still like well Roquan Smith was emerging and and he he was the best player on that defense he is the best player on that defense and he's probably not going to be there anymore so yeah that's that's very alarming to me um that and that just happened recently it's it's funny you mentioned um we kind of giggled when we heard Nikhil Harry and Byron Pringle I wrote down when I took notes uh a handful a couple weeks ago I wrote down some of the other names in their um in their receiving room and I was like these are just these are guys that I know the names of but they're just me name dropping things like I'm not going to sit here and tell you Equinemius St. Brown or Tajay Sharp or Dante Pettis I'm not going to sit here and tell you that these guys are going to emerge all of a sudden now on the Bears you know to help them out so they they brought it that's kind of what they did they brought in things that were easy to okay I shouldn't say things I'm talking about human (laughs) athletes I didn't mean it that way but you know what I mean like for the business side of it when you bring in they brought in players that you know, they seem like the easy 
safe, like we're filling the roster moves, like nothing, nothing that was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to help this guy out because they have Darnell Mooney, who by all, by all accounts is ready to be a number one receiver. And he was last year for them, but he can't do it by himself. He can't, it can't just be fields and, and Mooney. And, and I think that's what they're going to run into the issue this year, you know, cause that's last year they were terrible and they had Allen Robinson who's a good receiver, but there was something not clicking there. And Robinson had, had no impact last year. And so that, that was really tough. Um, you mentioned the offensive line was in shambles. Um, I wrote down that basically Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins, the two rookie tackles last year that were hurt, they better hope, or may, maybe they know something that we don't, they better hope that those guys were just bad last year because they were, you know, were hurt. Because they had moments where, you know, you if you watch a highlight reel of Tevin Jenkins, or, you know, you know why he's he was a pick for the NFL. You know why he's got the potential. Um, but he needs to take, they're relying on him to make a huge step. They're relying on Larry Bourne to make a huge step. Um, like you mentioned at the center, they're, re, they're relying on, on a lot of people that aren't reliable. Um, you know, and on the defensive side of the ball, Akeem Hicks is is basically the, the Bears' run defense. And we saw what happened when he was hurt for portions of the year last year. Um, they're bringing Robert Quinn back, my guy, Defensive Player of the Month in November. He had an awesome year last year, rejuvenated career, but he's in his 30s now. And as, a, as an edge rusher, um, you know, it's tough. So, you know, they're, they're just, there's too many questions. Like you want to go in with somewhat of a, like, there's, I suppose there's no sure thing. Sure. But you want to go into with somebody that you feel really good about at least. And all of these names we've been mentioning are just like, you know, severe, maybe not even like if they stay healthy, they're great, you know, or something like that. It's just like, I don't even know if their best is good enough. Um, and, and like you said, they went out, got their franchise quarterback. He looks like he's taking steps to do that, but it's going to look really bad. I think <laughs> when we look at the bears this year, we're going to have to, you know, there's going to be times where we're going to want to be like, why is Justin Fields doing that? And I'm going to try to tell myself to remember that it's, pro- it's probably not all his fault still. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not trying to like coddle him as a young, as a young kid at quarterback. I just, I don't think that his team did anything really of note for him and, um, and yeah, it's, it's a bummer, especially for the fan base, I would think, for sure. But especially for him, too. He's trying to build his career and get ready to get that deal out of his rookie deal. And, you know, I don't know what his numbers are going to be in four years. <laughs> you know, his career numbers aren't – I don't know how good they're going to look. But And, I mean, yeah, so you mentioned the tackles. I, I do want to talk about them a bit because, yeah, in theory uh, – and Borum was actually fine last year. He, he was your typical – now here's I'll get to the part why it makes me nervous, but he was your typical like league average run of the mill right tackle, right? Where he looked okay in run blocking and not very good in pass blocking. Okay, fine. Now it got tricky because Jenkins was supposed to be the left tackle, Borum was supposed to be the right tackle, but then everything going into training camp was Borum was gonna be the left tackle. And it's just like that's not a good sign for that's either not of a, them. That's, no, this that's is really this is really bad. <laughs> to the point that they are then paying attention and they go, oh, maybe we should go sign some free agent because there's some guys out there. So they bring in Riley Reeve from from Cincinnati. Um, guess what? They could bring in another old left tackle, Dwayne Brown, and it, it would be way better than anything they have right now. There's still guys out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's in shambles, like you said. Uh, if 
quick plug if you go over to sports and money uh pro football gm youtube channel me and benjamin parker ranked all the offensive lines in the nfl oh, nice. uh, chicago is last uh, <laughs> no one's surprised um, for sure and we talked a lot about them but from a team building standpoint i remember and i had to go back and look at this to confirm it but they draft fields in the first round last year obviously they have some other picks go out but they still had a second round pick they take jenkins and we knew with jenkins it was Really good talent, but the injury history. So, and mm-hmm. it's a back injury. So, like, that's not great when you're already in your early 20s with back injuries. But, right. uh, okay, they did it. They went and pulled the trigger on him. For him, they got in the fifth round. For a fifth round offensive tackle, Borm's pretty good. So, mm-hmm. that makes you think they're going in a certain direction. And then just no follow up on it this year. So, yeah, I mean, th- those free agency things are just, yeah, it, there's not no analysis to do other than they're cleaning house right now in, in Fields' second year and not bringing anyone in, which is really scary. Yeah, now and, to think and you mentioned, that, oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, you, you mentioned Riley Reef. I forgot to mention when I was talking, when you brought him up and then I didn't mention him, but he's like the epitome of what I was talking about, like just filling the roster with guys. Like he's a name. We all know Riley Reef. He was a Viking for a while. Like he's, he's fine, but I he's not, about that. yeah, he went, I think he was oh drafted by the Lions, I'm pretty sure that we got him. Yep. Yep. And I remember being excited when we got him because the Lions used a pretty high pick on him. Yep. And then we all watched him and we're like, eh, you know, that's <laughs> it's fine. And I, I typical here I am like bashing all these like professional athletes, but but I mean, you know, I will say though, there is so I have a resident Bears fan that I go to for the vibes. My brother-in-law is a big Bears guy. Um, and one of their draft picks from this year, Braxton Jones who I believe, what, what round did they add him in? Fifth round, yeah. Um, I asked, because I, I, my brother-in-law is, is kind of like what we're talking about. He's kind of like, he doesn't feel great about everything that's going on about with the Bears. But he said that Braxton Jones is holding his own against Robert Quinn today in practice, or like recently in, in training camp practice and stuff. And so there, there's a good sign, you know? So maybe, again, it's a, they're just all very big stretch maybes. But... And, and you mentioned before we fully go into the draft, because that was a very good professional podcasting transition, but I'm going to go back and bash some free agency stuff again. Because <laughs> you, <laughs> you mentioned, um, yeah, just like the safe run of the mill guy, right? And and with Pringle and Nikhil Harry, for different reasons, yep. those are names with some pedigree, right? Ooh, Byron Pringle, yep. he was on the high-powered Kansas City offense. He wasn't very good, but he was on it. That's exciting, right? Yeah. Ooh, man, exactly. be happy. Nikhil Harry, <laughs> former first-round pick. Shouldn't have been a first-round pick, but he was one. That's really yep. exciting. I would have preferred, you mentioned the scenario, go get a guy who's good when healthy but hurt. Go throw $10 million at Julio Jones. Tell yeah. Odell Beckham Jr., hey, come rehab here. We'll pay for your rehab and give yeah. you a nice contract for when you're ready in week eight. Yeah. do do something man because this something. is just upsetting so back to your nice yeah. transition uh to, to the draft <laughs> um so so earlier i did where did we leave off in 21 22 and i said embarrassing in my notes yeah. here it's what did they do in the draft nothing nothing um i, I, love, I love a, that <laughs> i gave them a d i gave them a d yeah. the reason i didn't give them an f was because the players that they took early in the draft in that second round i liked them as players yeah. um so so they went defensive back in the mm-hmm. second round, which is as far away from helping your quarterback as you can get. Uh, because at least if you get some run stoppers, you can get the defense off the field, right? No, they didn't do that. Yeah. Um, 
So, but J- Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, I like those players. So I gave him a D. I also gave him a D and seven F because they threw some mud at the wall for offensive line, which I guess <laughs> considering you spent two draft picks on it last year, in theory, that's all you need to do, right? Because um, right. in theory, you went out and got a couple free agents. Yeah. Um, they still have Cody Whitehair, who is way past his prime. But they, they in their heads, they can say we drafted two tackles last year. We went and got Lucas Patrick. We have Cody Whitehair. We'll see how Lucifer looks at guard. Um, I mean, it's not going to work. It's going to be bad. And then they went through some mud at the wall uh, in terms of they spent four day three picks. You mentioned yeah. it, Braxton Jones, uh, Zachary Thomas as well, Doug Framer, who name I do not remember no. from all my draft work that I did, and then Jatire Carter. No. Um, guys I don't know. And, and it, on one hand, maybe all four of those guys become starters and are good because their GM, Ryan Foles, is a former offensive lineman. Right. Um, so maybe he's like, I have the secret sauce to finding these late round guys. Sure, it could happen. They haven't given me the faith to believe that is the case. So uh, overall for the draft, no. I gave him a D, three day two picks. Um, they, they take two defensive backs. They're, the one wide receiver they took is older than Justin Fields. He's mm-hmm. 25 years old, and he's primarily a kick returner. Like he's yeah. kick returner first, at least coming out of college. Now, I think the Bears said, no, we like him at wide receiver. That I mean, that's a lie, but <laughs> it's at least what they said. But what he did in college, the reason he was in college so long and what he did was for the return game. Again, that does not help Justin yeah. Fields other than the fact no. that maybe now when his, his interceptions won't be pick sixes because he'll be a little further from his end zone. Um, <laughs> they wait until day three for the offensive lineman. Here are some yeah. names that they could have taken. Um in, in that second round with one of those two picks. All right, here's some names they could have had. George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore, Cam Jurgens, Luke Fortner. Those are two centers, by the way. I named two centers that they could have taken, yeah. and I would have been happy with. Well, you, you, had, you, you had me at Pickens. I, I love Pickens. Oh, right, yeah. Sky Moore's, getting, Sky, Moore's, Sky Moore's getting tons of hype right now. It looks good. And Alec Pierce, everyone's talking about, like, he's – perfectly in wide receiver two alongside Pittman right now. Like it, like those are three, three receivers that the bears could have used to have an offense. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's not even all of them. Abraham Lucas, uh, Jalen Tolbert, Danny Gray, mm-hmm. Romeo Dobbs. I just found out his name is oh. pronounced Dobbs. So that's, yeah. a, that's a big one. Um, I'm, I'm going to write down Dobbs's name. I have a question for you. Fantasy wise for him at the end. Um, oh, okay. Calvin Austin, the third, those are all guys that they, they could have two of those guys. So if they had walked out of the draft with George Pickens and Cam Jurgens or, or Luke Fortner, who went third round, first over, first pick in the third round, if they walked out of there with a wide receiver and a center, I would have been like, A-plus draft. They're building around. They got their tackles last year. They got right. a center this year. Luke's Patrick play, Matt Guard. But they didn't do any of that. So, so I guess my question is why? <laughs> why are they not helping Fields? How mad were you watching the draft? Because I was – I was upset watching the draft for them. Um, yeah. I, what do you think the pro- thought process was behind it? Yeah, I think it's, I don't know. Like, I, like you said, if before I start talking, if, if Ryan Poles is this genius and he finds all these guys from smaller schools that they're actually perfectly good NFL talents, then nothing about what I'm saying is, and then all of it's fine, right? Then he figured it right. out. He didn't right. need to spend those picks. But assuming that he's not perfect with that because I don't think he is I think it is a fair grade because I th- like you said I think Kyler Gordon you like because he um I was just reading an article the other day that he he but the same school as Trent McDuffie right so he got overshadowed a little bit he got 
you know, he was like the second best guy. McDuffie was, was a really high talent. And so, you know, so do you like that pick? Jaquan Brisker, I think you like that pick. I, I don't know a ton about him, but I think you like that pick. Um, and so I think the picks they made were fine, but what I wanted them, to, would have wanted them to do is, like you said, throw 10 million at Julio Jones, you know, try to get some of these guys that are available, try to get more draft picks, if nothing else. Like, what are, what are you going to do with five? Like, they had two second rounds. They didn't even have like a six or a six or seven. They didn't even have a pick. Like, send some send some players or maybe make, use Khalil Mack to get more picks if if possible. Like. I can't imagine that they couldn't have found a way to move up if, if there was a player that liked like that, that would have made the draft. Like as a, if I were a bears fan, I would have felt better if they like somehow moved up and took a pick, took someone they really liked in the first round or got some other seconds or got a play. I don't know something. It just looked like they did nothing. And I don't think they're in a position where they can just do nothing. Cause it, like you said, it's not, it's almost like they had their tackles from the year before. So, we're going to assume those guys pan out. We're all set. You can't assume those guys pan out. You can't draft that way. Um, you know, and every, every fan, every GM in the world knows that. And so I, I think a D is fair because they should, they didn't do enough. Um, and, you know, it's almost like they, and not only that, it just felt like they didn't care to do enough. It was like, Hey, we have our five pick or our, however many picks ahead. We're just going to do this. And that's, we're going to be okay with that. And that, and that was bothersome to me as well. So I don't dislike the players that they got, um, but the old linemen were, were all pretty much relative unknowns to me as well. Like I, when I did my mocks for the bears, I didn't see any of those names. So they were either later on because I did my mocks pretty early. So maybe it was, they, they popped onto the scene later on, but so yeah, I, there's no reason to get super excited about them unless you have some sort of inside knowledge, I guess, but. But yeah, it just it just felt like they didn't care enough to do much, and that that's what made it worse than than not doing anything. <laughs> like I don't know, like it, it felt like one of play- the classic GM saying, "We took the best guy on our board. We we don't care about position. Yeah, blah blah blah. We took the best guy on our board at that time." And it's like yeah. that's that sounds good, yeah. but you do that when you have a good team already, and you don't have a quarterback that yeah. you need to make these. Right big decisions on in a year i mean a year from now we're going to be talking about justin fields up for an extension and and Mm -hmm. how can you make that kind of determination uh now with with what he's going to be working with i don't well and and i i can't imagine i can't imagine eberflus is super happy either because you know the shelf life for a new coach in this league is not very long anymore like they they don't give you seven eight years to to build the dynasty here he had to have known going in that he needed to be on board with fields and then hope that they gave him enough around to so he could really work with them i know he's more of a defensive guy but still like i don't know yeah it was just yeah just all in all disappointing that's why you rated d right d for disappointing (laughs) yeah exactly that's what it is um all right, we've ragged on them a lot. I could go for another yeah. half hour, but we won't. Um, so just general expectations for the Bears. Better, worse, the same as last year, you think? The Honestly, I think the same is probably about right. Um, probably, if I had to make a number, I'd probably say 5 and 12, maybe 4 and 13. Um, only because we we're ragging on them so hard and everything I see on Twitter and online is no one thinks the Bears have anything. And so that leads me to believe that they're going to do a little bit better just because you know, I always have that sense. So, but that's, that's the only reason why. So they're not having a winning record. They're not making the playoffs um, or I'd be extremely surprised. I will say, because I continue to love Darnell Mooney, 
Um, the other thing my brother-in-law told me is that he's really been hitting the film room with Iberflus to learn the defensive side of the scheme okay. or like right. to really dive into that. So uh, if you need a bright spot as a Bears fan, Fields, I think with help or with, you know, a competent team around him, I think is still a hot prospect. Like he should be re- viewed really highly. And I still am in love with Darnell Mooney. So outside of that, though, sorry, Bears. You're going to lose to the Vikings twice, probably the Packers twice, and probably the Lions twice. To be probably, honest. probably. Perfect transition because let's go right. <laughs> let's go right to the Lions. Uh, the last time we had a podcast, actually, we talked about your soft spot for the Lions. Um, I mentioned yes. the Vikings were the trendy team of the offseason that people are talking about. The, People are talking about the Lions a lot in the last two weeks here, which I, I mean, I totally get I, for, I like a, almost everything they have, except for the quarterback, who we'll talk about, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. let's, let's rewind. Where did we leave off with the Lions last season? So they went 3-13-1. They had some nice moments. Uh, the, the Vikings game, sorry, was one of them. Yeah. Um, that was nice space after that touchdown was just it was just great i have that touchdown <laughs> recorded on my phone somewhere because that was their first win of the season right yeah. um and i recorded oh. it for my friend who's a lions fan shout out muhammad uh because i don't think he was watching the game live and i recorded it for him and i have it uh, it's the worst highlight i'll oh. ever have on my phone but i'm gonna have so, it forever so while we're on the topic of that play we meant i mentioned cam dancer earlier uh, Go back and watch that was the, him, right? Who the defensive back is that's just hanging out behind <laughs> five yards in the end. St. Brown. It's Cam Dantzler. And that's what I'm uh, like, what are you doing? He'll make a play, and I'm like, oh, this dude's a stud cornerback. He's elite. And then he does that and just hangs out. Biggest play of the game. And let's let's the line put him. So yeah, it was Cam. Uh that's so great. That's so good. Um, I have it on my phone. If you want me to send it to you, just let me know. Uh, so so they had some nice moments, but just over. Just watching the games, you could tell just not enough talent and not enough talent at the important positions. Obviously, quarterback, but wide yeah. receiver, edge rusher, linebacker, defensive line, all needed help. They addressed yep. a lot of that this offseason. So into the uh, mm-hmm. in, into the ins and outs, gone are safety D. Marlowe, go Dukes, uh, defensive lineman Nicholas Williams, linebacker Jalen Reeves-Maben, edge rusher Trey Flowers, uh, in cornerback Mike Hughes, safety Deshaun Elliott, wide receiver DJ Hark. That's the big one. Um, they were able to re-sign a lot of their own guys. So a lot of guys and like a lot of veteran guys, guys in their late twenties, early thirties wanted to stick around. Um, they, and they were able to bring in some talent with some pedigree. Mike Hughes had, had some nice run there in Kansas city. Uh, Sean Elliott had some nice run with Baltimore. DJ Chark, obviously, uh, if he hadn't been hurt, uh, was probably going to have some productive years in Jacksonville. What do you think this says about Detroit and just like who they are right now and how people feel about them and, and coach Dan Campbell? Yeah. So I, and we, and we've talked about this before, like they, those guys play for Dan Campbell. He has no problem in the motivation department. He has no problem in the buy-in department when they, when they beat the Vikings that time, it was like, you know, they, they, they felt they celebrated that win. Like it was a huge win. Like they, they had they have the core i think they have the core mentality that's 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 all set up and i do think they did a nice job especially in the draft um in the offseason and then you said resigning some guys i can't remember if this guy was resigned or not but um of course the guy i wanted to mention is the hardest name to pronounce so you're gonna have to forgive me here it's um amani or warrior uh yeah um I don't have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll find him. I'll find him. Okay, he's he's a he's a cornerback. He's only twenty five. 
Um, I think he's still there. I think he's still there. Yeah, he's he's still there. I don't know if he re-signed or not. I don't know if he was already in contract or whatever. He's just like when I think back to Lions, he passed my eye test. So I, I don't even know if his stats would back that up, to be honest. But um he's returning and they drafted Aiden Hutchinson was a was I think the right the right call for them. They had that trade with my Vikings to get Jamison Williams, who when he comes back will be good. The DJ Chark um acquisition, I think, is a good one as well. And I, I think like I know Jared Goff isn't, you know, elite, but he's been to a Super Bowl before. And when you have Monterey St. Brown, DJ Chark, Jameson Williams, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, the healthy DeAndre Swift, it's gonna make all the difference this year for them too. Um, he's such a great uh, pass catcher out of the backfield. So like I'm I'm kind of high-ish on the Lions. And so here's where I mentioned before we started recording that I had this is one of my hunches I had with the Lions. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sh- Again, it's not based on well, it is kind of based on something. So I what I what I did was I was telling you I wanted to look up stats that proved what I thought was was 100 percent true. And my thought was always like, how many times did the Lions started like 0 and 5, 0 and 6, 0 and 7, or something like that? Mm-hmm. And that actually didn't come to fruition. It's not as bad as you would expect. And so I think we all just have that narrative about the Lions that they're never going to win. So they must always have a losing record. But there are times when they're like three and four, you know, two and three, mm-hmm. like not completely bad. So I narrowed it down a little bit further. And I found out that in, in 2018 and 2020 and 2021, they all, all those years, they started 0 and 2, like just right off the bat, two straight losses. The anomaly in 2019, they started 2 0 and 1, and then they had a three game losing streak. And so the reason I bring that up is because, like, we're talking about, steps that they've taken spots that they filled guys they've retained like it all points to a positive like a positive outlook on the season from a team that was not good at all last year and I think that part part of Detroit what Detroit needs to do it sounds cheesy I think they need to change the narrative a little bit they need to flip the script they need to have some wins under their belt and I think if they start the season 2-0 and or something like that I think that would go a long way and then I did a little further digging they play Philadelphia and Washington for their first two weeks of the season. And so we, we talked a little bit earlier, we play the NFC, the NFC North and the NFC East play each other this year. And so the NFC East is not a good division, you know, on paper right now either. And so I was looking at it, it as like, if, if Detroit not only beats Philly and then Washington, they start two and oh, not only is that, that's a tiebreaker that you see every year getting into the playoffs is conference record, right? So that's two key conference wins. And so I think that perfect storm would be good. Now they're not going to win week three because they play the Vikings. So naturally they're going to suffer their first <laughs> loss then. <laughs> but a two and one start is very realistic for the Lions, I think. <laughs> and so, and it sounds like it, this is why it's kind of a hunch. So it doesn't have any bearing on like predictions or, or projections or anything. But I, I honestly think that Detroit, Detroit's just that team. Like, I don't know. Do you, do you are you a baseball guy at all? Uh, maybe it depends on your analogy. I was for a really long time. I have fallen off in the last 10 years or so. So it depends what kind of the references. Well, so the reference is the Kansas city Royals won a world series in like 2015 or something Uh for my entire childhood, the Kansas city Royals were the lions of the twins division. Always last place, never any good. Always could count on them for some wins. And then all of a sudden, it's like they had a rebuilding process. They won a World Series, then they had to blow it up again. But they got a championship. And so, like, I'm not saying the Lions are going to the Super Bowl. That's not the, comp- the comparison here. <laughs> the comparison here is, like, teams that are this bad can only be bad for so long before they have some 
level of like I think I think the Lions could surprise some people. I'm not putting them again ahead of the Vikings, and I have to see them beat the Packers before I put them ahead of the Packers. But we talked about how down the Bears are. So you know, if you beat the Bears for two games, you take out Philly and Washington. There's four wins right there. You know, and who's not to say they get some lucky breaks for once and you know go nine and eight? I don't know. Um, that offense, why not? It's it's a good offense on paper again, um, and so. And, um, oh, here's my stat. Sorry, this is completely random now, but here's my stats about Oruwari. I looked up. He had um, more passes defense, more passes defense, and five more interceptions than the previous year um, where he played almost all games as well. And so that, that's why I brought him up because I did look at his stats. They, they, again, they're not mind-blowing stats or anything, but uh, for whatever reason, I was fixated on him, and he, like, he took a step. And so I think it kind of ties into what you were saying about guys that they retained and guys that are still there. Like they're doing the opposite of what they're not losing all those guys. The bears are losing, right. They are seemingly have a core. They have a culture there. That's good. And you have to think that they all, they're all pissed about how bad last season was because they all probably don't think they're as bad as the, you know, three and 13 team they were. So, so I think there's, there's cause for optimism, but I'm sure uh, <laughs> our lions fans out there probably would temper that by saying, yeah, don't, don't believe what you see on paper yet. So <laughs> right. It, it all points to going in the right direction, because I think at the end of the day, for if you're somebody that is still thinking that this team is going to compete for the playoffs, I think on paper, they definitely should. I watched Jared Goff last year too many times, just completely lose a game by That's himself. That's fair. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I just have no faith. And yes, I know it <laughs> went to a Super Bowl, had some success. I yeah, see him true. in Detroit made me all the more convinced. And I was pretty convinced in the moment, but that was just Sean McVay. Um, <laughs> Goff would be from a talent standpoint, would be one of your av- league average quarterbacks, the Garoppolo's, yep. the Baker Mayfields, uh, the, the Kirk Cousins. He's, mm-hmm. he's a little better than the average. I, that wasn't, that wasn't truly fair, but he would be your, your, you know, you could win with him. You won't necessarily, but he's, he's in the category of, this is a quarterback that loses you games. He just makes the mistakes at the wrong time. And and I think no matter how good the rest of your team is, because I mentioned those offensive line rankings, I ranked the Lions first overall, man. That's the best offensive line Mm -hmm. in the whole league, I think. Um, I'm excited for what Sewell's going to look like this year. The the skill position guys, I mentioned wide receiver was rough last year. They they had some flashes in the pan last year with Khalif Raymond, Quentin Cephas, Josh Reynolds a little bit towards the end of the year. Amon Ross St. Brown really emerged by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They added DJ Chark and Jameson Williams. Uh, now, Jameson Williams is going to be out to start the year, but that's a legitimate yep. wide receiver one kind of guy. They added some yep. real explosion to that offense. Because of those two guys being added in and Amon Ross St. Brown walking in as a starting caliber wide receiver, we could see TJ Hawkinson have a bit of a, a resurgence this year he had a really down year last year mm-hmm. yeah. um we could see him have a and, and defenses were all over him. we could see a little bit of a reemergence from him as well so i think sure. from an offensive standpoint i think they're going to be decent all the way around i think they're going to be in games i think they're going to be competitive i don't think this is going to be a three-win team again um but at the end of the day i'm, I'm worried no. i i not worried because i know what's going to happen golf is going to fumble it at the 20 yard line on the game winning drive <laughs> He's going to throw a pick six in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, just uh, he's going to take a big sack that knocks him out of field goal range when they're down one. He does. He does fumble more so than the average quarterback, doesn't he? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He holds the ball and then he fumbles when he gets it. And it's just not a good combination. Um, okay. So to get, 
get to the draft. You mentioned it a little bit. Uh, I gave them an A minus for the draft. I really like what they did. Um, they take Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Pascal in, in rounds one and two. Obviously, they draft trade back into round one for Jameson Williams. Um, Hutchinson and Pascal are me so huge because Detroit has been missing a pass rush for like the last decade. And they really had good defensive backs all the way through. I mean, you mentioned Oruarie, six picks last year. Jeff Okuda, a former third overall pick, he's dealt with injuries, but he's decent when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they always have decent talent at defensive back. Uh, Melifonwu is another one. But they're always in coverage for eight, nine, ten seconds at a time. Adding Pascal and Hutchinson, I don't know what, what the latest out of camp is on those guys or, or how much – you know, are they technically the starters? Are they going to be out there on rundown, stuff like that? But they're going to be in there on passing downs. Their ears are going to be pinned back, and they're going to rush the quarterback. And that's something they haven't had, especially from both sides in so long, that that their defense is going to take a huge step up. And we mentioned what their offensive weapons look like. I think that's going to go well hand-in-hand. Hand. Jamison Williams, not only do I like the talent and, and the fact that they saw the need for an explosive player at, at receiver and went and got one. The aggressiveness of making that move to trade back into the first round for him, uh, or I guess higher into the first round for him, I should say, it shows that you mentioned it, right? That they have to change the narrative themselves. So it's not just, oh, we'll just be happy take with the 32nd pick where everyone thought, you know, myself included, they might just take a Malik Willis, right? And be like, ah, our quarterback for the future, maybe. No, they said, you know, we're going to be aggressive. We think we can do something now. Let's go get a top receiver. And worst case scenario, uh, now they have a couple of nice receivers for when the next quarterback comes in after golf. Yeah, um, sure. so just from that standpoint, I, I really liked what they did. Uh, the rest of the draft, I mean, it was okay, you know, all the way down in the seventh round. I like Chase Lucas, the cornerback out of Arizona State, and another guy that I think will just be a nice, talented player in that defensive backfield. Yeah. Um, they didn't do Can't have too much depth there. Yeah, you never, never can. They, I, I don't like too much else. I mean, Kirby Joseph, the safety out of Illinois, is pretty good. Um, but, but again, those top three picks and and just what it says. Again, the the Bears we talked to was such a sloppy process. Just seemed like they just like pick some names. You can clearly tell what the lines did. Now, will Pascal work? Will Hutchinson even work? There's some questions there. Will Will Jameson Williams be the best wide receiver in the back? We don't know. But you at least see what they were doing, and I think that's really encouraging as a fan. Yeah, I think I think I think that's that's the right thing. They were aggressive because I feel like they knew what they want and they didn't overthink it. They just like they didn't try to get cute with the, the second overall pick. Was it Hutchinson second? Yeah, second overall yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. They didn't get cute with that and and you know you know like draft Jamison Williams there, right? And then <laughs> and then you know because the Lions have drafted bad receivers to the top oh, yeah. end of the past. Carlos oh, Rogers yeah. way back when. Uh, oh no. Oh, oh the no. Mike the Mike Williams before the current Mike Williams. Oh no. <laughs> All right, sorry, Lions. He said it. He said it. I said it. <laughs> um, but no, they didn't overthink it. They got the guy that was there that made sense. Like you said, the Lions need the pass pass rush. Um, and and they took two uh top pass rushers um pretty early on. So I think yeah. that Aiden Hutchinson, that alone is a, is enough to make make their draft grade pretty good. He said you A minus. I think that's pretty fair for sure. Um, and then, yeah, trading back to, to get Jamin Williams. Why not? Right. He's a, you know, again, without the injury, you, you know, he went, he went, what they get him eighth over, no, 12th overall, 12th overall or 13th or something. Yeah. Cause they had the Vikings pick. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, they had, 
they got the better value of that deal too. Back full circle back. <laughs> they didn't give up too much really to get um, their guy as a second first round pick. So yeah, by all accounts, yeah, they did they did very well in the draft. And so I think I think it shows that they have, like you said, a purpose, they have a direction, they have a game plan, they have people they like, and they didn't, like I said, they didn't overthink it. They just said, This is what we want, so we're gonna go do. And so um, that's gotta be encouraging going into the season with every, you know, checking off the boxes of your wants list, right? I think that's that's about as simple as it gets, but I mean, it makes sense. Sometimes, man, you just want simple. And I mentioned the Jets earlier. They had a very straightforward offseason, right? And same with the Lions. Lions kept maybe more players than I necessarily would have. Uh, and uh, Alex Anzalone, for example, 28-year-old middle linebacker who's just, like, pretty good. But he's a captain on the team. He, he played uh, 72% of snaps. So so it's like, oh, you know what? Sign that guy back. I, I might not have. But just a simple, easy move. They brought back a lot of key players. They let some guys walk. They replenished in the draft. They hit some needs. They did some smart things draft-wise. This is a team that's setting itself up to bring in a franchise quarterback in the next year or two. And when when we say Jared Goff is a placeholder, it's not because he's going to win them games. It's because he's literally a placeholder. You have to put someone there. He at least has some experience. Um, yeah. they're, they're shaping up. They're shaping up. For, yeah. So for this year... We've danced around it a little bit. What What are your expectations for for the team? Doesn't have yeah, to be an exact record, better, worse, the same. Yeah, it's. I kind of, I'm slowly but surely kind of getting annoyed that there are 17 games with the NFL season now because yeah. I can't just say 500, right? Because <laughs> there is no 500. You're either eight and nine or nine and eight. Unless you go eight eight and one, I go. I guess, but. So it's kind of annoying that way, but that's kind of where I view them. Like I said, I, th- I think they have a good chance to start 2-0. They're going to lose to the Vikings, but I think they'll take two from the Bears. That gives them four wins, um, you know, and, and who knows where else they'll pick up some other ones. So I, I think 8-9 and nine is not out of the question. Um, you know, last year, this, the NFC East, we talked about how bad they were. They got two teams in the playoffs. They got Dallas who won and Philly. Philly won it, got in at 9-8. and eight. I don't see that happening this year. I don't see that division sending two teams. So, I mean, you know, things fall in the right, right spot, who, who uh, you know, who knows? And, and I also, I was thinking about this as you were talking about the Jameson Williams pick and they brought in DJ Chark. Like, I think it's also, it's huge for Jameson Williams to go it to go come back from injury, knowing that he doesn't need to be the alpha wide receiver yet, or maybe even ever, who knows? Like you have Monterey St. Brown who asserted himself last year, DJ Chark, who's proven, as a productive receiver. And so when he comes back into that mix, he can fit in wherever it makes sense. And I, th- I think that that's a, that's a, it might be an understated way for him to really get acclimated to the NFL coming off injury. Cause he won't get to start the season. Like, I think that's, that's another thing that, that I think I like that they did like that chart signing could be, could be pretty, could be pretty relevant to their success this year. I think so. I would, I, if I had to give you a number, I would say eight, nine, um, maybe flirting with the playoffs. Um, maybe lions lionsing their way out of a berth or jared goffing their way out of a berth or yeah. something yep. something that's very you know something you might expect from a lions team but but they'll i think yeah i don't think they'll be an embarrassment this year yeah like you said uh i think they're going to be competitive i think they're going to be and i don't think they're going to go zero ten and, and one in their first uh 11 games there yeah. um I, I think it's going to be a fun team. It's going to be a feisty team. I mean, they were last year, even though they were bad. Uh, 
Yep. When you talk about, I'm trying to look back through, they had their fair share of like one possession games. Now, of course, the Eagles, mm-hmm. they lost to 44 to six in, in week eight, but I mean, they had a 17 to 19 loss, two 17 to 19 losses, actually, 33 to 41 in the first week. So they had some close ones. Um, and now there's just so much more talent yep. on this team. I think it's going to be an enjoyable season. And look, if they go to, if they get eight wins, Lions fans are going to be jumping for joy. And, and that's going to be, that's going to be a sight. Mm-hmm. They, they deserve it. Well, Dan and I Campbell should, deserves it. I should be more afraid than anybody because they beat us once. And uh, the game, the other game we won, it was a two point game and the lions, it's actually the one game I got to go to last year. They scored with like 30 seconds left and we kicked the game winning 50 some yard field goal, 50 some yard yard odd field goal, whatever I'm trying to say. And, <laughs> and so that could have gone, that should have gone lions way too. So <laughs> they could have swept the yeah, bike. That was one of the 1790 <laughs> rough. Rough. Yes. Who knows? Maybe they're gonna win. Like maybe they'll be the 14 and 3. So far we have Lions making the playoffs. Uh we have Vikings winning 14 games. Didn't we say something crazy about the Bears too? Uh that was positive. I don't know. Maybe well, I know I didn't. I, that's obviously gonna be you. Um, I like I like Mooney and Fields. That's what I said positive. That's right. Okay. Uh Mooney, top three receiver in the league. Uh let's move to the final team in the division, which obviously is the Green Bay Packers honestly might be the most boring team in the division this offseason. And I think Packers fans and really NFL fans in general are, are happy about that. Um, mm-hmm. Although we have a, a recent Aaron Rodgers story about some fun tea that he uh, drank two years ago. <laughs> I only uh, heard bits and pieces of that, so I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, but... <laughs> uh, just fun stuff, fun stuff. It would explain <laughs> a lot. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, where did we leave off with the Packers last year? So, Another disappointing end of the season. Obviously, a great uh, uh, ride through the year. Thirteen and four. Rogers, his second uh, MVP in as many seasons, but an embarrassing loss in the divisional round uh, to the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, just a listless, lifeless kind of defeat. Um, to and it was very reminiscent of their opening week loss, thirty-eight to three against the Saints which we rode off right after a few weeks right. and the, the team goes 13 for and we're like, Oh, that was nothing. But then to lose the way they did to the 49ers, it kind of crept back in your mind. Like, okay, maybe this was something all through the year. Um, the, the note I have for you to ask is just what happened? What happened with the Packers yeah. last season? Well, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of been the same old story with Rogers. Like he's going to go down as, as maybe the most talented quarterback of all time or at least in the discussion if you take out championships and whatnot but he doesn't have a Super Bowl um you know the MVP speak for themselves the numbers speak for themselves and yet he he hasn't won a Super Bowl win was I think it's 2011 you know so it's you know over 10 years ago since he was uh since he was a champion um the playoff record is not great especially against the 49ers oddly enough he's like 0 and 4 or 0 and 3 I think against the 49ers in the playoff which is I thought was strange um, I think if you ask like a Rogers fanatic, they would blame it all on the special teams against the Niners. I think that was the big, the big play. But at the same time, you look at a game, if you're a home team, especially if you're the Packers and Lambeau, like you got to win those close games. Like I, I, I don't understand. Like there, I don't know if people do it, talk enough about how he didn't do a whole lot in that game. Like I, I, you know, I, it's hard to like the Niners have a very good defense. Obviously they were a good team. You know, they're a, elite quarterback away from from being a Super Bowl contender and things like that you know Jimmy Garoppolo is is good but he's not great um and so they've been successful but not they haven't gotten over the hump yet and so 
if I have to answer, like when I'm thinking about the question, what happened to the Packers last year, I feel like it's same old, same old, like really good regular season record taking the NFC North Rogers is elite. He's getting the MVPs, but something happens in the playoffs. I don't know if teams figure them out. I don't know if, you know, there's not enough around him anymore because he gets paid so much. I don't, uh, you know, I don't know, but he had Devonte Adams last year. So I, I um, and their, their special teams was horrific in that game. It was very oh, yeah. bad. So I'm not yeah. trying to pretend that that wasn't a factor, but you know, it was a low scoring game. I can't, what was the, to- what was the final? Well, so it was 13, 30 to 10? 37, um, which it doesn't. Oh wait, no, that's wrong. That's the last regular season. No, game. Was, Hang on. Yeah. yeah. Let's scroll oh, yeah, back yeah. down here. Oh, 13 to 10. That's what it is. There you go. Yep. 13, 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even so Rogers. But, and then it was the blocked punt that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was the block punt that, that it was the only touchdown the Niners had, but still like you're Aaron Rodgers, you're at home at Lambeau. Like you got to take over that game. You know, I think, I think that's where, you know, when we look back at his legacy, I don't, I don't like those things might have to come up a little bit. So, you know, that's what happened in the last year. They were where they've been for the past few years. They just haven't, and, and you could also say, like, anything can happen in the playoffs. It's a team sport. Like, you know, you know, you can't hate – like, no one hates – you can't hate on Dan Marino. He never won the Super Bowl, but he's one of the best all time and things like that. So, like, you have to factor that in. But you just think in a close game in Lambeau in December or January or whenever it was, like, you would think that Rodgers would pull that out. So, it's, it's, it's weird to me, but also, I don't know. I don't feel too bad about it as a Vikings fan, but uh, – <laughs> You know, back-to-back MVPs, I mean, the talent's still there. And, you know, I wrote down from my notes about the Packers, the Rodgers is still there, so the Packers have to be taken seriously because pieces come and go on defense, pieces come and go on offense. But as long as he's there, they're a relevant team in the NFC. And, you know, for the people that really like Rodgers as one of the best, you know, they pick him to win the division. It's it's fair. Like, he's done it before. So um, so you have to take them into account when you're competing for division. And so they'll, they'll be right in the thick of it again this year as, as far as I'm concerned, but for last year, I just, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how he doesn't produce more in that playoff game. That's, I don't know if they got out coached or what. But. Well, and you said it best, like it, it's perplexing how it happened, but it's not surprising that it did because yeah, this is kind of the story. Um, I will never forget in 2020 in the conference championship game, right. he could have just ran the ball three yards. He was wide open uh, to get a touchdown and go to the Super Bowl and did not do it in this game against the 49ers, 20 of 29, 225 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, five sacks for 29 yards. Just, and you could see it. You just look mm-hmm. checked out for whatever reason. Maybe yeah. he had some of that tea just before the game. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's talk about this season. So let's do our ins and our outs. So gone, obviously, wide receivers, Devonta Adams and Marcus Valdez-Scanling. Offensive lineman, Lucas Patrick, who got a mention already on this podcast, uh, and Billy Turner. Edge rushers, Ladarius Smith, who we also mentioned. Is it weird that a lot of Packers are staying in the division? Cornerback, uh, <laughs> Chodon Sullivan, also going to the Vikings. Yeah. Um, Guys, they've brought in uh, two former Chiefs, uh, Jerron Reed on the defensive line and wide receiver Sam Watkins. My main question, and and this we'll have to tie this into the draft a little bit, which we're not talking about quite yet, but how we'll, we'll keep a focus on Devonta Adams for the most part and even MVS. How screwed are they from a pass catching standpoint? Because Rodgers is one of those, and this is just a veteran quarterback thing for the most part. Ben, Ben kind of like younger guys sometimes, but. Rodgers does not trust rookie wide receivers. He likes guys who know exactly what he's thinking all the time, which is why him and Devontae Adams got along so well. Um, he loses two veteran wide receivers for him. 
in one off season. Is he just going to throw to Aaron Jones all the time? This will this is going to tie into your fantasy knowledge a little bit. Uh, yeah. Alan Lazard is he really going to be like a wide receiver one for this team? Specifically from pass catching yep. standpoint, how screwed is this team right now? I so I set out to prove how screwed they really were when I wanted to look up the stats I'm about to show you, but I was I can't fully equate it to it. But what I wanted to look at was how irreplaceable the impact of um, Devonte Adams was. So I looked up their stats. The Packers were five and one last year in the regular season, and games decided by three points or less. And so my thought was in those games because as a Vikings fan watching the Packers. What do I see at the end of games? The Packers win that are close. It's Rodgers finding Devontae Adams open all the time somehow. I never know how Devontae Adams gets open, but he's always open. And so I set out to look at, um, you know, were they all game-winning drives by Rodgers to Adams? And that wasn't that wasn't true. So that's they, – they had – Mason Crosby won them a couple games with some clutch kicks. Like, it, was, it wasn't just Rodgers to Adams on game-winning drives per se, but – those the five and one record against in games decided by three points or less um, against Cleveland Adams, 10 catches, 144 yards, two touchdowns, Baltimore, six catches, 44 and a TD and against Minnesota, seven, 115 yards, two touchdowns against Arizona or no, he didn't play against Arizona against since he had 206 yards and a touchdown, 12 catches, 132 yards and a touchdown against San Francisco. Like the numbers that Devonte Adams put up in those close games were bonkers. And so, I can't say that without him, they don't win those games necessarily. I can't say that they were all game-winning drives. But I also feel like I can say that Alan Lazard isn't going to jump in and do that just because Devontae is gone. You know what I mean? Like, I think Rodgers made Devontae Adams really good, but also Devontae Adams is just an elite receiver. And so, you know, when you get to the fan, it's, so I do think they're going to, I, I, what I, my gut tells me is that they're going to lose some closer games or they have a worse record in close games this year. I think not having that clutch component, you know, if he's relying on Christian Watkins or Romeo Dubs, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, like if he's relying on some of those young guys, I don't, maybe they don't have a game in drive. Maybe they don't get Crosby into position for a game and kick because there's no Devonte Adams who's open exactly where he needs to be all the time. Like you can't really replace that. Um, with the next guy up all the time. Um, and so it's, you know, you mentioned the fantasy standpoint. Aaron Jones is a really popular fantasy running back this year because the experts all say that he's going to get a billion receptions because mm-hmm. Rod- Rogers is totally fine dumping it off. And Jones is still a very, very talented, very productive back. So, you know, that some of the targets will go to Aaron Jones. There are the, the Lazard field is kind of divided. There's a lot of people that think Rodgers is so good that if Lazard is the next number one receiver, that he's going to get most of those targets and be really productive. Um, but then there are those that would say, just because he's the next guy up doesn't mean he's going to get that. He hasn't proven anything there. So he's not going to just automatically be, you know, Adams level production. Um, so the, the Lazard camp is split from a fantasy standpoint, but from a, just a general, like, fantasy aside from pass catching standpoint, I think losing Devontae Adams is huge. And I don't think, and I know that Rodgers can make people around him better. All good quarterbacks do, but, you know, looking at, looking up those numbers in close games, like, you know, there's a reason why Devontae Adams is, is one is considered one of the best receivers in the league. Like you don't, you don't put those numbers up as consistently as he has, unless you are a next level talent. Because again, like I said, when I watch them play, when I watch Devontae Adams, I don't know how he's open all the time. 
He's all, there's always a window to throw to, you know, and Rogers is elusive in the pocket. He's, you know, he's one of those crafty mobile guys where he doesn't run, but he extends plays pretty well. It's, you know, part of his skill set. you know, so that, that, that definitely played a role, but I just, I think they're pretty screwed to answer your question. I think that unless someone steps up, because even like the, the Marquez Valdez scantling, he'll burn you deep, but that has, I have to think that was impacted by Devontae Adams because Valdez scantling had a lot of drops. He wasn't exactly, he, he was you as your burner. Yeah. You know, you had to try to double Devontae Adams because he's going to be open regardless. So you had to send two guys. So if MVS wins the foot race, yeah, he's open for a guy like Rogers. So I think, that's a significant loss, but more so because I think Devontae Adams' impact will be felt or lack thereof will be felt this year uh, because he just has been so absurd for years. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but I think they're relatively screwed because you can't dink and dunk your way to a championship. Aaron Jones will put up really good fantasy numbers, but I don't know if that will always translate to wins because teams can defend that a little bit better. And with Adams, you mentioned it, it, it was, it felt like it was always the last drive to like, he could be shut out for three and a half quarters and, mm-hmm. and they need a drive at the end of the game. And it's like, all right, let's, let's play for real. Now, Devontae, just get open. I'm going to throw yep. you a ball. And, and when everybody knows that's the case and he does it anyways, that's when yep. you know, that's a big deal. And yeah, I think you're right. Lazard can't just walk into yep. that role. Let's talk about some guys who might yep. do that because they did do some things in the draft here um, that I, I did mm-hmm. really like. I gave them what I gave. Them? I gave them a B plus on the draft. Now, obviously we could start with the jokes. They had two first-round picks. They Did they take a wide receiver? No, they did not. They <laughs> went defense, and they went defense twice. They went with a linebacker uh, in Quay Walker from Georgia, and they went with a defensive lineman, Devonta Wyatt from Georgia. Um, considering what they went on to do in the draft, these picks were good picks uh, because the, the defense was better last year, and it – I think adding to it is going to just like kind of keep the momentum going. Quay Walker was the underrated guy on the Georgia defense last year. Um, but maybe out of everybody, especially in the linebacking core, has the best pro style game. He has everything you want, the height, weight, speed, the run blocking, the downhill, and the athleticism to play in coverage. Um, I think he's going to be nice next to Devondra Campbell. Devonta Wyatt can just help continue to add some depth and, and uh, versatility to the interior defensive line. They have some injuries along there every year. Um, so I think that's going to be good. And then they go hit wide receiver throughout the rest of the draft, which I really like, you know, with, you just want to keep throwing kind of darts, uh, not like the bears, but you know, the way they did it here <laughs> rounds two, four and seven, they went wide receiver Christian Watson, yep. Uh, Romeo Dobbs and then uh, uh, Samori Torre, all guys that that can do some different things, that play some different roles, uh, have had good college experience, good college production. Um, I think they did a really, really nice job in the draft. Uh, and then, you know, the key to my heart, they also added some offensive line depth just for fun. They're one of the better offensive <laughs> lines in the league. Um, they also had mm-hmm. Sean Ryan from UCLA, Zach Tom, Rasheed Walker from Penn State to tackle. They nail him in the seventh round. So, you know, you lose two guys that have started a handful of games for you. Uh, and, and then you add three rookies who, as opposed to the Bears, I, I have at least heard of these other guys. So I think that's a pretty good sign. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I said, jokes aside, going defense twice in the first round. What did you think about that, whether in the moment or just in, over the draft as a whole? And then for these young receivers, how do you think they're going to do? And I want to preface that question with, with a quote I heard, and I just found it here. Um, 
about that that Rogers made after practice one day in training camp about Romeo Dobbs. Uh, let's see, and I just lost it. Do do do. Oh no, he basically compared. There it is. Every single day, so quote every single day, there's been at least one wow play, and that's rare for a young guy like that. We've had some guys over the years to, that have done that, but they're all in the top 10 of Packers receiving history. It's a good start for him. So Rodgers just nonchalantly compared Romeo yeah. Dobbs like Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. Um, it was like a big deal. You don't have to do that. You could just yep. say he's playing well. It's, it feels like a big deal. Yeah. So all that talk with that we yep. just had about wide receiver, I like Romeo coming out. I would have liked him even more and said a lot more about him if I knew Aaron Rodgers was going to feel this type of way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Take all that in with the draft. Obviously, you don't have to talk about the offensive line quite as much, but or you could. <laughs> I'm okay with that. But Romeo Dobbs, the wide receivers, do you think these guys have a chance to make an impact? What And then also, what did you think about the going defense early? Yeah, so the, the, the what I think about going defense early was funny because I just it adds fodder to anyone who – makes excuses for Rodgers over the year because my first thought was okay here's another draft where we're all saying Rodgers just need more weapons and they don't take a wide receiver it's like they have this weird thing with him and, and management that they're never going to give like give into that for whatever reason so that, that's my first thought I don't know if that's really you know any if there's any truth to that um, I do think they needed to bolster their defense because I do think their defense is something that's usually masked by the impressiveness of Rodgers and the offense. And so I think that it was smart of them to do that. Um, you know, and they have, you mentioned, I think you made the comparison with Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell. Like I, I've always liked Devondre Campbell. He's a Minnesota guy and they have, um, you know, he's been there doing it for a while. So it, it seems like they know what they're doing with that type of player. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, again, I was surprised that they didn't go top receiver available, um, which was what everyone would have wanted to, or thought they should have done, things like that. Um, and then you brought up Romeo Dobbs, and that is the – he's like the – even in fantasy circles right now, he's kind of like the the training camp darling right now because of that comment, because of what people are seeing. Um, and you don't hear Christian Watson's name like at all. And so yeah. when you think of – you know, when you, if you're thinking from a fantasy standpoint anyway, like, drafting uh there there are some people now that are saying like instead of reaching for christian watson assuming that he'll step into that role people are waiting till the later rounds and taking a flyer on romeo dobbs and thinking that might he might have an impact uh, as as a you know as a you have your most of your team set and you're just going to take a you know late round dart throw and say hey maybe this guy can produce for me and especially after those rogers comments i mean people people love that stuff so he was um so 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 he seems to be the one that's getting all the hype right now. Um, I do have a hard, hard time sometimes with training camp hype because I think everyone, even the most like respected media members, were also hyped to see live football again. That I think right. people inflate some things. I used to hate the preseason as a kid because I would start to love watching a player, and it was before I understood like cutting and you know, and I'd watch a player in a preseason game, and then they wouldn't make the fifty-three man, and the season would start. Be like, what happened to this guy? So I. For, for years and years, I wrote off the preseason because I didn't want to get my feelings hurt too much. So, so, but, you know, like you said, Rodgers doesn't make a comment like that on a daily basis. Rodgers doesn't say that about Alan Lazard, who's been there. He doesn't say that about Christian Watson, who was their high pick. So that there, I think there is something to that. And even if the only thing to that quote is that he feels like he's got a rapport with him, that's, that's, that's all you need, right? It doesn't matter if he doesn't eventually put up those numbers. If, if Rogers has that rapport with him, if that's his feeling, his gut is like his, 
connection with Romeo Dobbs, then Dobbs is going to be pretty productive and, and, and that's going to be where, where he throws the ball. So, so I do think that even if it's all hearsay, if it's all training camp hype, I do think Romeo Dobbs looks like someone who's going to be an immediate impact uh, because kind of going back to your first question about how screwed is the wide receiver room. When I first took notes, I had Alan Lazard, Christian Watkins, sorry, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Amari Robert Rogers, and then Romeo Dobbs. He was the sixth person on my list of six that I was taking from their depth chart way mm-hmm. back in early July, you know? And so that's how fast things change, but because yep. I mean, Sammy Watkins, we, we know what we're expecting. We know what we're going to get with him. We're going to get pretty good production. You're going to start to feel good about him. He's going to get hurt or mm-hmm. <laughs> he's going to be middling because he, you know, he, he's going to f- fulfill a certain role. I don't see him taking over the wide receiver one role. Um, and Lazard, like I said, the people that had, from a fantasy standpoint, everyone's kind of split on him. Some people think that Rodgers will just make him be that productive. Um, some people think that he hasn't proven it yet. So it doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. If he's the number one, he's not going to be up there. So, um, so yeah, I think that Romeo Dobbs sounds like for now and what I've seen is going to be the, the one that can make the most impact. And when we think about their draft that make, you know, obviously that's a good pick for them. Um, they did bolster the offensive line. I was trying to look at, I had something else I was going to pull up, but I can't. Oh, um, I actually like their, this isn't, sorry, this isn't draft related necessarily, but, um, I was, when I'm talking about their, uh, their secondary room, I actually like their secondary, you know, and by like, I mean, I think I respect the ability there. Cause I think, um, you know, they still have Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, um, I believe was a rookie last year. Now he's, yep. uh, he got another year and, uh, Rasul Douglas, Yep. you know, had some moments last year too. So I think that I always want their defense to not be great. Cause they're never like, they're never lights out on defense and maybe it's cause they don't need to be. So, but I think that it was probably smart for them to go. If they feel like, you know, if, if Romeo Dobbs turns into like a solid guy, then I think they're going to love that they went defense early um, in the draft. Um, cause I mean, I haven't heard anything about Christian Watson, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's, yeah. That's weird to me, I guess, at this point that I we haven't I don't hear his name nearly as much. So I think for Watson, it's that and, and now I Sorry, think that was a good. <laughs> I think it it's when you're that athletic and that big and you're that productive at a, an FCS school, maybe there's still a little bit of a learning curve. I mean, it's not like Dobbs was at like, you know, the, the SEC. He was out in Nevada, right? Right. I think I think Dobbs his basement, I think his floor is he's Marquez Valdez Scantling, which mm-hmm. if you get that in the fourth round, that's good. Now, is yep. his ceiling even Devontae Adams? I don't yeah, know. You're, you're happy with that, yeah. Right. That that it, it's a bit of a stretch, probably say Adams, but if his ceiling is actually, oh no, he can be your like backside X one-on-one receiver and be productive at it, and you get that in the fourth round, and then say you have to bring Watson along slowly and he's just Lazard next year when Lazard, you know, goes off. Then, then that's pretty great. Um, let's see the Packers. Yeah, I'm with you on the defensive backs. I like the defense. I really like Eric Stokes. That was a guy I thought the Steelers might have taken last year. Outside linebacker. I mean, depending on and, and you know, you can say outside whatever, but how they line these guys up. They still have Preston Smith, who I really really like. Um, so, so I think they still have a bit of a pass rush. I think. I mean, this team honestly, like I said, it's the most boring out of everything. But I just think they, they were they were quiet and they did their business. And I think these guys are, I'm with you on everything you said about the receivers. I think 
I think we're going to get a little more production from them than we thought. And maybe it's part of just this. If Because Rodgers, I think the reports have come out that like he knew uh, Adams was going to be gone but when he signed his new deal. Yeah. So I think he knew. So I think in his head, yeah. he was probably telling himself, okay, I have to think differently about this. Um, so if he's giving these guys praise now, yeah, be on the lookout. And Because I think that's the right way to actually do wide receiver. I don't think you need to spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver. You know, yeah. we, we mentioned some guys in the second round who, who were available when, when they took Watson and Pickens and Moore and Pierce. Yeah. But Watson, I, I'm good with that pick too. I, I, I like Watson. And, and to also supplement that with Dubs in the fourth and Tori in seventh, I think is a pretty good deal. Um, overall with the Packers, you know, what's your expectation? Do you mm-hmm. think, are they going to be any better? I mean, you, you already said, I think maybe a little bit worse in the regular season, but do they stand a better chance in the playoffs or do you think they're going to be kind of fighting for even a playoff spot in general? I think, like you said, it's boring, and I'm going to be boring here. I think they're a playoff team. I think that Rodgers is going to put up really good numbers somehow, and yep. we're, we're going to find ways to, to say why they can't or why they can, and they'll get to the playoffs, and who knows? I don't know. It's really boring. But I guess if I'm staying consistent with my Vikings going 14-3, and three, that'll be the division. So I guess the Packers are sneaking at the wild card with like a 13-4 and four or 12-5 or something. I didn't think that through well. <laughs> somewhere the the wins aren't going to add up no yeah you know what we're not doing all that on this podcast no Uh, that's true you don't have to worry about that um (laughs) all right before uh that was so that was fun this we said it this is one of the more interesting divisions and one of the i think whether it's because it'll be spectacular because it'll be a car crash this will be one of the most fun divisions to watch week in and week out um Mm -hmm. i have a couple random things i need to hear from you we have about five minutes left um, that I need to throw at you. We already did Dobbs. I texted you or I messaged you when, when this happened at free agency, but the Steelers added two offensive linemen coming out of the NFC North and James Daniels and Mason Cole. Yep. We talked for a long time about offensive linemen on our first mm-hmm. pod together. And I told you you were screwed because now I was going to talk to you about offensive <laughs> linemen all the time. We've done it a little bit here today. What are the Steelers getting in Cole and Daniels? Because even yep. through camp, it, it's been as expected. Cole looks like the starting center. Daniels looks like the starting right guard. So what can I expect? Um, so Daniels is fine. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't have an extensive report on Daniels, at least that I can remember from last year, unfortunately, but I think he's fine. Your worry is going to be Mason Cole um, and not because of Mason Cole himself, but because our starting center right now, Garrett Bradbury, all the reports out of training camp is that he's getting just completely manhandled. And Mason Cole was his backup last year. So I don't know if that's a contract thing. I don't know if that's a, we're still trying this Bradbury and we lost Cole for something else. But if it's because we think he's better than Cole, then you're, then you might have some issues <laughs> to be completely yeah. honest, okay. but um, you know, a new situation too. He was our backup center last year. He started the, the games he was out and I didn't see a huge drop off, but again, Bradbury isn't, isn't top tiers from a center standpoint. So yeah. Good luck with Mason Cole, but I think he'll be all right. What happened to uh, who was uh, who was Hendrick Green? Hendrick Green. Oh they, yeah, yeah, they realized he's not a center. So yeah, uh, that's they... right. That's right. <laughs> who is, why am I blanking on his name now? Leglue. Le, 
John Leclou, uh huh. He's yeah. still around. He's fighting he... for he's fighting for that ninth spot. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he was a center. Never mind. I must. I can't remember. He, now. No, he he's taken some snaps in training camp the last, oh, okay. the last okay. year and this year. So yeah, he's he's one of those that he's he's trying to do every. I mean, he's practicing long snapping. He's trying to do everything he can to make the team. Okay, I'm hoping gotcha. with Mason Cole that because he was in Arizona, he was a starting center there for two years. I think his second and third year, or no, his first and second year. And then they traded for Rodney Hudson. So obviously he wasn't going to start over Rodney Hudson. They traded right. him to Minnesota. Um, right. I'm hoping Mason Cole just wasn't a fit in the zone blocking scheme because yeah. he's he's not huge, but I mean, he's like 6'4", 310 pounds. Um, Bradbury is obviously one of those undersized, speedy centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping that it's just a scheme fit because I love yeah. the fact that he's going to have a little more length to him than Kendrick Green did. Um, I just yeah. need him to be average uh, because yeah. Green was bad. And you, and you have a, regardless of who you start at quarterback, you're going to have a little bit more mobility than we do as well. Sure. So I think that that that'll help to an extent as well. Um, because yeah, and I didn't see Mason Cole do, do a, have a whole ton of mistakes. I mean, we have a lot of draft capital with your Bradbury. I think he was a first round pick. So, so maybe the new regime is saying, well, we got to see what we have, even though, you know, it's, I don't know. It's not looking good from what I hear. So yeah, yeah, yeah he didn't get his fifth year option picked up. He's the uh, he right. And James Daniels, I'm with you uh, a lot. So Alex Cazora of Steelers Depot is is a guy I really respect. I listen to all his stuff, read all his stuff. He was really excited about James Daniels. Got me on the hype train, um, and I, I'm still there. I think he is still going to be the most talented offensive lineman on this team. But he was also the most talented offensive lineman on the worst offensive line last year. So it's like, how good is that really? <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. You would yeah. probably prefer he's your second best guy. I don't think there's a guy that's going to be better than him this year. But, um, yeah, that's that's it. Josh, one more time for us. We mentioned it at the top. But tell us everywhere uh, we can read, see, hear, listen to you, all that stuff. Where, where can we find your stuff at? Yeah, so I have a bad fantasy advice podcast where I give you re- someone to hate when you make a poor choice because if you get stuck on your roster, you can listen to me and I'll tell you what to what my gut tells you. So it's based on nothing but just my gut. <laughs> Otherwise, you can use all the experts' actual uh, rankings and whatnot. <laughs> so it's called bad fantasy advice. I'm hoping to get more regular um, with the season approaching. Because right now, it's you know whenever I have time, which might be every week, might be every month, you know, um, and then that. A podcast is a blog called hunch dot or hunch fantasy at wordpress.com and that's just if i don't have time for a podcast my idea is i can post stuff there so there's another thing there at j lime eight on twitter um i don't do a lot of posting myself i respond better to direct um questions so if you have something or if you want to interact about what's anything i wrote or said and then the daily school.com here's some uh vikings content and i will be doing the previews and and recaps um the upcoming season for all Vikings games so that's kind of going to be my niche this year. So awesome. Josh, so yeah, let me know. Thank you again so much, man. I really appreciate you hopping on once again. I know you're super busy, obviously kind of a lot of stuff going on over there. Um, everyone go follow Josh, listen to his stuff, see what he says, but to Josh, to all the listeners, uh, thank you so much for being here, listening to the Simon short podcast. Again, you can find this on Apple and Spotify. Also, go check out the Phantom Football Podcast, which you can find on Apple and Spotify as well. We'll be giving you weekly reaction analysis to all NFL content. Uh, Everyone out there, be safe and have fun. Thank you.